Good morning, people. We are here today um, once again to discuss stereotyping. We are joined by Ryan and Slew and Evan. And before we get started, let's just cover this live stream may discuss trauma of all sorts to include all types of abuse. Viewers and listeners may find it unsettling and triggering. The guests on our live streams reflect the diverse set of values, morals, and ethics of, and these values, morals, and ethics may not necessarily reflect the morals, values, and ethics of the misfit Amish. If this live stream causes you distress, please seek support from your trusted folks and qualified mental health professionals as needed. So now that we've got that out of the way, how are y'all doing? Morning. Good morning. Good morning. Good to be here. Yes. Ooh. I'm to be here. Look at the trees is here. Welcome. Hi. Good morning. How y'all feeling after like the Easter Sunday and the, you know, all the stereotypes here? Mm. He is risen. And <laughs> when I say he is risen, I mean ball. I don't mean Jesus. So. <laughs> oh my. <laughs> I like to say that to people and they're like, wait, what are you talking about? Like, never mind. Never mind. Regardless, like, <laughs> uh, it was brought to my awareness that within the last week, and I wanted to really bring this up and kind of touch on it a little bit, at least within the last week, there was another bombing at a kingdom hall. How yes. what, do you think that stereotyping played a role in the bombings that are happening at Kingdom Halls, Ryan? Oh, wow. That's a really good question. I think to really be able to answer that, I'd probably have to know exactly like who the suspect was, because I believe we don't know yet. So we don't really have a motive, although I can assume that this is more than likely somebody who was associated with the Jehovah's Witness organization and no longer was. That's typically, mm -hmm. I guess, I could say how this plays out since this isn't the first act of violence at a Kingdom Hall. Um, and I'm afraid that it will continue to get worse. So I, I'm not really sure um, how to answer that one. Maybe as the conversation goes, I'll come up with something. But... Uh, <laughs> That's hard to say. I, I I hope they find the person because obviously this is not the way that you make change. Um, not saying that's what they're looking for, again, because I'd have to know the motive. But this is in no way how you affect any kind of good result from any kind of bad happenings in the past. This is just going to put more fear into those poor Jehovah's Witnesses who in effect, are kind of victims themselves to this organization. So it's just kind of perpetrating this violence and it's not, it needs to stop. Do you mean perpetuating the cycle yeah, of violence? Yes, that's what I mean. Yeah, like it, you know, these people so need help, not violent acts to make them change their mind about their belief system. That's not how that's going to work. Well, and I, I guess like for me, part of it is, is like, I know that there've been previous acts of violence at kingdom halls yeah. and, and, and part of it has been, I think I read somewhere that 
one of the people at least that committed acts of violence was somebody who was disfellowshipped or um yeah and and yeah. so and so like what what could possibly be the motive like that's a really like for me i'm like okay so if we exit out of the church and we exit out of the organization that we were a part of that was a high control group and we sit there and we we constantly talk about how bad they are are we actually stereotyping them all mm. as bad people are we dehumanizing them and i guess right. that's the question that i'm getting at is like do you think that that is possible yes and i try to be very cautious because i am somebody who's very well i speak out a lot i can't i don't know if, that, if that's considered activism but whatever it is i speak out so i do try to be very careful how i word things especially when i'm talking about um like the things that are instructed, the doctrines, the dogma, I try to make that very clear that this comes down from the organization and the people who fall under it. Yes, of course, they're the ones who are following these guidelines and these standards. They are victims and they themselves are probably trapped in situations that they don't know how to get out of. Um, they might not feel there's a way out and you know, when your whole community is based inside of this small congregation because they're so insular, if you, like you mentioned, disfellowshipped, if you get um, shunned, kicked out, ostracized, you lose that entire community. So you're kind of, you feel trapped in that system. That's exactly how I felt. I felt trapped inside of there. So I try to be cautious how I word things and not say, oh, the Jehovah's Witnesses are bad people. Blah, blah, blah. I try to say the organization, you know, does A, B, and C that causes harm. They're following orders. They're, I try to make it clear they're victims. I would never want anything bad to happen to them. I don't even like some of the ways that people protest, but you know, free society, you protest how you do, but I never would encourage anything that would scare or harm a Jehovah's Witness because so like I, I guess like when people make statements and they say things like all all Jehovah's Witnesses are bad that to me that yeah, feels that's... like the equivalent of, of somebody who has in the past gone around and said that all Amish people are bad and if y'all notice how I talk about Amish people is I often say this is that Amish are just people they're a group of people like any other group of people. Some of them commit crimes. And, and to me, that feels a lot better because I feel like it doesn't dehumanize them. And rather, it seeks to, to raise awareness, like to change some of the stereotypes about Amish people because the stereotype has been is they're, they're these closer to God people and, and they, they can't, like they don't commit the same crimes as everybody else that has been right. the stereotype that's a very but good point in the same token we can't go around and we can't say that all amish people are bad or all amish people are are and i've been hearing things of like all amish people are are pedophiles and that's not true that is mm. not true i will be the first person no. to tell you that is not true that's dehumanizing that that's no, that's bad. And, and I believe that that leads to like, you know, 
kind of like supporting, because it is a stereotype, it's supporting um, acts of violence. And part of why I say that is like, for example, during this last week, one of my step cousins had a greenhouse and he's had all these medical bills and whatever. Well, an arsonist burnt down their entire greenhouse in the month of April at the time when they're seeing to make the most profit, like they're finally going to get back all of their gains, everything that they've invested in that greenhouse, burnt it all down. Wow. That's horrible. And, and I'm sitting here and I'm going, you don't see that in the news, do you? No. But it's also an act of violence. And I believe that when we talk about our former groups, we have a responsibility to understand that just because our experience may have been one way doesn't mean that other people can't experience it differently. And when we stereotype them into all of them are this way or all of them are that way, then we are, in fact, actually not doing any good by speaking up. That's right. that's what I believe. What do you think of that? Is that... Anybody open for okay. debate. I, I have mixed feelings on, on it, I guess. I, not the, I mean, not the violence and everything, of course, but the, right. the idea of stereotyping with it in particular, and I can't, like, I, I can't speak on your guys' experiences and stuff. This is just for my own. But in my Baptist church, I know that they were, they were having trouble with their morals. I was just discussing this because there was a, uh, Oh, I hate to even, I don't, I don't want to get into the politics of it, but abortions and things. And they, the, the thing that came up at the time, there was something going on in the West that, that I think one of the abortion clinic clinics had been taken over by uh, uh, an extremist Christian. Um, there was something major going on in the news about it. And it came up as a topic in our Bible study thing. And, the leader was having trouble with the the morals of whether it whether it was right or wrong that they would try to take down or kill a doctor that would give abortions because that was considered saving lives in their their view so whenever you have like i i don't know it's hard for me to like i get so upset over that you know that, that they normalize that so much and that that goes into the communities and stuff as well. And it's hard for me to just look at that and be like, like is it a stereotype or am I? Well, uh, how about this? With, with stereotyping, we get these preconceived ideas and notions which lead to bias, which lead to violence. Because then they're right. able to justify their violence. Does that make sense? Yeah, it, it does. Like, are they justifying their violence based on their bias? Their, so if, if they say that, okay, anybody that commit, uh, that, that provides abortions, which is healthcare, by the way, abortions are healthcare. Absolutely. If you have a miscarriage, if you have a miscarriage in, in my world, if I read that chart and code it, I promise you it's going to be coded as either a spontaneous missed or, or other abortion. It is coded as a, an abortion. Abortions it's are a medical healthcare care. Term. It is a healthcare term. Right. Secondly, right. 
so if we stereotype all doctors that give abortions well and we say they're a, committing murder yeah. that leads to yeah. bias and that bias yeah. leads to justification of the violence is how i'm understanding it right we we had and you know later on it really made me question things because we had a miscarriage before we had my my daughter mm -hmm. um and it, it got me questioning the whole process and everything because I'm like, this is the same procedure as if there was an abortion taking place because now they're removing mm -hmm. the thing that's all the same. So, uh huh. And it's like, okay, well, God performed this abortion then, and it's okay when He does it. it, it that, yeah. I think it goes back sorry, to. I know that's a little bit off off topic. No, don't but, be sorry. But... No, like no. it's really important that we have these conversations where we dissect, like, what does stereotyping do to us? Yeah. How does it apply? What happens? What does it do in the world, in society in general? Yeah. I I think so it I... goes back to Ryan's point of you know it's the it's whether you're talking about the systems or you're talking about the people when the people become the systems then we rationalize and we justify vi violence against people right because we're trying to harm the systems you really have to separate the two like when there was the shooting in tennessee two weeks ago at the christian school it was you know a lot of people were saying well what did that person go through but regardless of what that person went through regardless of what happened to go in and and kill innocent children in a Christian school because of Christian principles that hurt you is wrong. And, but that, what happened was there, we, 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 you know, <laughs> systems over in place of, of humans or humans in place of systems. Yep. Yep. Right. Yep. Exactly that. And that's why I try to, I try to differentiate the two because I don't want people just going up to Jehovah's Witnesses because they're everywhere. They come to your house. They're standing on the street corner. You can't avoid them. You're going to run into them at some they point. They write me your letters, life. Ryan. They write yeah, me letters. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. They like, they're so invasive. It, it, it's like, it's a very invasive like, form of proselytization. Like I I, it's horrible. It's part of colonization. I don't like it i don't approve but i get that they're just doing the program because if they don't do the program then they aren't considered uh, a jehovah's witness and then that means they won't make it through armageddon so they're trying to save their life they're trying to save everybody's life so i try to remember again that they are the victims in this but to to affect change we're going to have to go to the to the tippy top and to get to the tippy top it's going to take it's going to take legal stuff like, I know it sucks. I know it's slow. And obviously speaking out and education, those kinds of things right. help. But to really make change in that organization, putting a bomb, like, that's not like, come on, man. I don't know. Again, I don't know who the person was, what their motive was, but that's not doing nothing. That's, that's horrible. That's not the change. I mean, and wow. the person that's doing those things, yeah. they could be a victim as well. And that's not really a good excuse oh, for the person to be right. doing that you know so like it's morals like people are having trouble understanding morals it seems like how we come to those almost good point yeah like that's such a good yeah it's such a good point wow it, 
two good yeah. points, like at the same time. <laughs> yeah, we have, a, we have a commenter, even stereotypes of evil people like pedophiles could lead to that stereotype being applied to people who are not evil pedophiles. For example, okay, but I have a problem with the word pedophile. It gets thrown around very, very loosely. And my mm -hmm. problem with this is, is pedophile is also a medical definition. It's a medical term. The definition of pedophile is somebody who is attracted to children. Okay. So mm -hmm. if somebody is attracted to children, does that mean that they have committed sexual crimes against children? Have they committed mm -hmm. sexual abuse? Right. Not necessarily so. So to me, I talk about child sexual abusers or child rapists as opposed mm. to the stereotype of everybody that abuses children is a pedophile. That's not necessarily true. There are people who sexually abuse children who literally tell the judge on court record, I did it because my wife didn't give me enough sex. It's about power and control. It didn't have anything to do with being attracted to children. Right. But yeah. So, and, and this is nothing personal that you look at the trees at all whatsoever. I just, um, I spoke up in the last month about some things and I've been being called a pedophile on the internet, by the way, I have screenshots to prove that. Just, just so y'all know. People, no, throw I think that I know what you're. Now. Yeah, I think I know what you're getting to because as we are more and more enlightened, and we're, you know, we're we're trying to figure these things out. I think it is important to figure out and differentiate the the hows and the whys as well, to and, to why people are doing what they're doing and how they're doing what they're doing and. Uh, along the the lines of stereotyping and with the pedophilia and things that that look at the trees had brought up there is the thing where they did this with jewish people as anti-semitic things in in the past mm -hmm. and they've done mm -hmm. it with satanists and trying to True. to say that they're all pedophiles or that they're all and this is evil and they're all going to well and that's okay, been well, a thing been you that's been used by christians right for, a and, good and while. Look at what they're doing to the drag community and the queer community right now with that yeah. word. What are they yeah. doing with that word right now, right here in America today? They're waging I mean, this, war. Yeah. At this point, that word is just used to fuel fear. And it goes back to the point again, none of it is based on acts, none of it is based on truth, but it's all based on fear. What's the most horrible thing we can think of? And we use that right. word instill fear in people mm -hmm. yeah and they are doing it yeah that's yeah. said to trans people and drag queens you're right i mean i'm i was at a protest a month ago and stood right in front of a guy who had a sign that called me a pedophile because i'm a trans man like there's it's just something that we are hearing continuously it's a weapon of the of the far right and of and often of those who are committing harmful sexual abuse against children they're not using the word against themselves they're using it against others but they're the ones who are perpetuating the harm so let me ask you a question are y'all aware that churches can can get um uh, sexual abuse insurance have y'all heard of that actually i i forgot about that and now you just reminded me tell tell me more <laughs> I, I this and, is something i want to look into and I in multiple states in the u.s 
churches can get sexual abuse insurance to protect the perpetrators. There's no benefit for it for the survivors. Oh, it's, I bet so it's you being... know who doesn't, who doesn't, and can't get insurance for that? Trans and, and and drag queens, they can't get insurance for that. Okay, so here's the thing too, where I I get kind of like if, so would it be stereotype? I guess. Okay, the Catholic Church did this. They actually have they had a fund set aside to pay off families for sexual abuse. Uh-huh. Um, this was I watched a documentary years ago. It was uh, Maya Maxima Culpa, the uh, silence, uh, the church or silence in the church, something like that, along those lines. Um, but it was it was talking about all of this with people that were actually. Uh, deeply connected to um, in the church and with the the organization this the one of the people they interviewed was a person that was actually doing the paying off of the families and he thought that he was consoling them it was being pushed as this way of this was helpful for the families and stuff and it's this was consoling and everything but it was never attack you know addressing the actual issue from the start <laughs> Um, it was just allowing it to go on and enabling it. Yeah. Well, it's shoring up that hole that, that happens because that's been one way that activists have been able to challenge these abusive systems is by holding them accountable for the people that they hire who commit abuse. Um, and now that there's insurance, which if you want to check out ministryinsured.com, they're one of the main people. But now that there's insurance, now these systems continue to be protected and the people behind those systems continue to be protected. So can I just really quickly just bring in, since we're talking about it, that it's really important that everybody finds out if their state has clergy as enumerated reporters and if there is a clergy penitent privilege or not. It's really important that we start attacking this again through the legal system and we can do that. We can enact change, but it's going to take a push from us as a society. Well, and it's going to take a push from all of us, not just like the people who like follow the work that I do because Amish and Anabaptist type of work or the people that follow the XJW work. It's going to like, it's going to take all of us. Yeah. We're going to have to come together together. and, and, and stand shoulder to shoulder and make this happen. We're going to have to do that. But with that being said, because of like the whole like conversation we were just having, I realized, Ryan, we haven't watched your video. Is it okay to play that? Is this a good time to play that now? Oh, sure. Yeah, absolutely. It's just basically based on our last conversation. And we were talking about like gender fluidity and things. And I said that that it's not a fad. It's not something new. This has been something since... Society started since we have writing, we know about this idea of um, different genders or gender fluidity. So that's basically what this is about. It's like two minutes long, I think. So hopefully it's not too bad. It's not too long. All right, let's do it. Okay. (laughs) Give me just a sec. Ideas of gender fluidity date back to civilization's inception as recorded in some of the oldest poetry in the world. Inclusivity and acceptance are essential for creating a society where all individuals are valued and respected regardless of their differences. 
However, throughout history, discrimination and prejudice have been pervasive, often targeting individuals who identify as LGBTQIA+, people of color, women, and those from other marginalized communities. In this video, we will explore the importance of inclusivity and acceptance and the ways in which we can work towards a more just and equitable society. Inclusivity is essential for creating a society where all individuals feel seen, heard, and valued. By recognizing and celebrating the diversity of human experience, we can work towards a world that is free from discrimination and prejudice. Inclusive spaces are those where everyone is welcome, regardless of their gender identity, sexual orientation, race, religion, or any other characteristic that might make them unique. Discrimination and prejudice can have a profound impact on individuals and communities, leading to marginalization, exclusion, and trauma. Discrimination can take many forms, from overt acts of violence and hate speech, to more subtle forms of bias and microaggressions. Regardless of its form, discrimination can have a devastating impact on individuals and communities, leading to a range of negative health and social outcomes. Working towards inclusivity and acceptance requires a collective effort from individuals, organizations, and governments. This can include advocating for policies that protect the rights of marginalized communities, such as anti-discrimination laws and policies that promote diversity and inclusion. It can also involve educating ourselves and others about the experiences of marginalized communities and actively challenging discrimination and bigotry in all its forms. Intersectionality is the idea that individuals can experience multiple forms of oppression and discrimination based on their intersecting identities, such as race, gender, sexual orientation, and socioeconomic status. Recognizing intersectionality is essential for creating a truly inclusive and equitable society as it allows us to understand the unique experiences of individuals and communities who may face multiple forms of discrimination and oppression. Working together, we can create a world where everyone can live their lives authentically and without fear of discrimination or prejudice. Let's work towards building a world where all inclusivity and acceptance are the norm and where all individuals are valued for who they are. That's basically it. <laughs> yep. That was really good. Thank you, Ryan. Did you like it? Awesome. Yeah. Okay, good. Yeah. yeah. For putting that together, I think that's part of the reason why we are having this, this kind of panel discussion about stereotyping and what it means and what it's what is happening is because we do believe that we can all work together and and make a better world for all of us and our future generations that's important so right. thank you sure Ooh. how does that play into when you talk about the word pedophile being used and directed towards drag queens and trans people Right. And just Anybody and again, want to weigh in? Well, I just, I mean, just basically as that video shown, these ideas are coming from colonization. Like these ideas are being pushed through Christianity as, a, you know, as a, not as a whole, I guess I shouldn't say that. I don't want to stereotype, but there's a majority push here that this is coming from well, now this Christians. is what you're you're getting into right where because you're saying like you know I don't want to stereotype them but 
is it stereotyping to like there's a whole group that are oppressing right. people and then they're paying into bill mills and stuff through their and they're like contributing so nother. much at what point is it not a stereotype and now it's just reality because it's like i yeah. have trouble with that like <laughs> <laughs> no i yeah i i feel what you mean i think i was i was kind of that's, having that same question myself as that's where i've been does... stumbling trying to find the words for it <laughs> yeah yeah. Well, I think, again, we can hold the systems accountable. So we know the right. Catholic Church was responsible for much of colonization or Christian colonization around the world. And with mm -hmm. them, we know the Catholic Church was responsible for the Buggery Act of 1533, 1583, sorry. And we yep. know that it was that act brought to the colonies that set up a lot of the laws that about gender, about same-sex relationships about Excellent. the LGBTQ discrimination that we've seen here in America and in other parts of the world. We know that. So and go ahead. Their, their book is set up to where it is, it is made to where they are basing themselves off of like martyrdom off of martyring mm -hmm. themselves or like self-deprecate. Like, they're trying to always be the victim. Yeah. And that's just how the system, it, I mean, they tell you to it's model so yourself after jesus and he got persecuted and all of this stuff so they're persecuting themselves in their religion that's part of it so i can't see how you can separate that at a two things two things when they when certain religious beliefs are like telling you to model yourself after somebody who was persecuted as like persecution is like suffering for jesus um but when when there's acts of violence committed against those groups, is that now feeding into the persecution complex of like, I'm suffering, we are suffering for Jesus. We are suffering for Jehovah. We are suffering for the prophet. Can I, like, yeah. Can I just say that that is, that is also one of the things that I fear about being very mindful of what I say, because I know that these kinds of incidences uh, feed into that whole perpetuation of like victimhood and like, Oh God, they're, they're attack. You know, everything is an attack against them when a lot of times it's really that it's a majority of the legal system. They just you know, want the legal system based and stuff like that. Right. They just want it based <laughs> off their religious texts. Why do you guys have to persecute them so much? <laughs> oh, right. I, I mean, mean, there's I mean a, sorry, go, go ahead. ahead. I was going to say there's a consequences to actions and that's not violence against innocent people is not a consequence. That's violence. But when you protect, when your system has protected abusers and you're held accountable by the law, that's a consequence to an action. That's not persecution. And as Evan was saying, like when you look at the systems like the Catholic Church, we know that. We know that for a fact. When you look at the system, like the Amish Church has this publication called To a Girl of Eleven, which we're going to discuss in my next live stream that's scheduled. When you look at that, it's not saying that all Amish people are bad. It's saying that this is a doctrine that the church had established that many people within the church actually use and believe. Mm -hmm. Right. They've been standing up in courts 
asking to keep a clergy penitent privilege because if they remove the seal of confession, it would ruin their religion. We're attacked. Like they stood up there and said, word for word, you're attacking my religion. Like, no, homie, people are attacking children. We're trying to prevent that. So that's, that's what's happening. So my question to that is, and again, like, I, I feel like this is a redundant thing that I have said over and over and over. When do we start valuing rights of children, the, literally the simple right of safety for children? Mm. Okay. Right. When does that, does the safety for children outweigh religious freedom in America? Exactly. Well, I think when that goes do they to have that, autonomy. Right. There is this idea, this stereotype that children are extensions of their parents and that's all that they are. And as long as we continue to view children that way, they will continue to have no rights and be the most vulnerable in our society. Yeah. I mean, because many states are, are able to marry at like 12 years old. Mm -hmm. And to me, that feels like if parents, like parents are required to consent to that. And at that point, like parents are literally marrying off exactly. their children as property. They are seeing their children as property. That exactly. is my opinion on that because it dehumanizes those children. It takes away what could have been. It takes away any form of autonomy for that child. Now, here's the thing. Can I add to this? Yes. Is like, this is where people are like, well, we have to keep church and state separated. Well, number one, y'all are the ones who are all up in our government trying to mandate what we can and can't do based on what you say is in your book, your interpretation of a book, because the book says a lot of different things. But so, so basically some of these ideas are maybe cultural or traditional in certain cultures or religion, right? But that is why we do need some protection for children who live here. You got to abide by the rules. That way we can prevent some of these bad things happening because maybe it is traditional in their whatever to marry off your kid. I, again, I'm not, I don't think it's right, but that's why we do need government to be involved and because these religions I mean, can just make up any rules and regulations that they want, because that's what religions do. They're man-made and, and, you know, maybe the Jehovah's Witnesses go away, but another one can pop up, you know, at any moment they can pop up and they can make guidelines that are going to hurt and oppress people. And the government I needs guess. to make sure that that's not happening. Sorry. Well, it's just. Well, and if you, if you look at like, if any of you have read my book, like you'll, you'll notice that I talk about how it is a story of, of collective failure on all sides from within and without the community. And how many, I asked this question, I've asked myself this question over and over and over. How many children in America are experiencing these failures by the very systems that purport to be protecting children or by the very exactly. people who are like, well, you know, we're here to protect children and that's our duty and our, you know, due diligence. Um, 
but we can't do anything because this child is this religion or, you know, well, we don't want to get involved in that or we don't know what to do. And they have all of this like justification for not lifting a finger to help children be like in a safe place in the world. How many children are like that in America today? More than we even know, I'm sure. And why is it okay and why is it allowed to continue? And I think part of that is what one of our commenters is stereotyping is used as a shortcut. We don't want right. to get to know the other. We don't want to. Listen to that. We don't want to. Right. We can stay home, feel superior instead of getting on a plane and visiting places and learning about people, places and things. Yeah, because we we can stay in that little bubble we have created where our world doesn't exist and these things don't happen in our world. Right. And then we tell people, well, you should just pray. I've been told to pray again this week, so I'm going to talk about that, that stereotype. You should just pray before you read the Bible. And then, you know, you'll, you'll, you'll feel better and blah, 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 blah. I've also been told the gays should burn this week. So I'm on a roll. The gays should not burn. No, we should burn. Oh, burn. Oh, yes. Yes. We should be burned. Ryan, you, you'd brought up culture. Mm. I, this is something too is is culture a stereotype is that something that we're perpetuating hmm. that isn't like it it seems to feed a lot of uh enabling of of bad behavior and stuff like it doesn't seem oh, to actually not, address right. any of the behavior itself it d diverts instead in a lot of the True. cases that i've seen what does it mean to be culturally competent does it mean that we sit there and we speak mm. to the most powerful people within the the group that we're purporting to help or support or provide information about? Are we only listening to the most powerful people in their society and their culture because their culture is set up like a caste system? Or do we sit there and we actually get down in the trenches and we actually hear from the very people who are the most marginalized within the community and and all of the people? What does it mean to be culturally competent? Because historically, it has been that people talk to and speak to the most powerful people within the communities. I, I to there's me, no intersectionality whatsoever. If you're, you if know. the only justification you have for something being okay or right or wrong is that is culture or religion or like that, those aren't good excuses to me. Yeah, that's a good that point. can excuse all kinds of horrible acts. Yeah, right. And I think that's part of the problem. That's what religion yeah. does. We can just say it's a, it's my religion. You can't infringe on my religion. And it's like, oh, pfft. well, I can't do my my hands are tied behind my back now. I can't do anything about it. But that's not an excuse, as you've just said, which is I, really well, good. Speaking of culture, at least once a week, because I work with victims of domestic violence, I hear someone say, it's just my culture. That's why. I'm, it's okay for me to abuse this person. That's why it's okay for me to abuse my children. That's why yeah. it's okay for me to, it's used just as often as religion, if not more, as if it is culture to abuse a person. That is not culture. 
Well, I religion mean, is part of culture too. Exactly. It's, you know, it's still not, <laughs> it can influence the laws and stuff and it's, they still mm -hmm. might not, that doesn't make them right. It's so intertwined and it's so, it's so, well, and, uh, yeah, no, go it's, ahead. It's intertwined, but also you have to remember too, that like in, in like the 1972 case, Wisconsin versus Yoder, again, like not to be harping on this, but in that case, again, they wrote in the footnotes that Amish people don't commit crimes and they can police themselves. Now we're seeing the results of mm -hmm. that. Right. They take care of themselves. Those are yeah. like, it, it's written into law in some cases. That's no, that, that's wild. And, and, and like what group, like since when are Amish people a sovereign nation? Are we a sovereign nation? Y'all did. I, I haven't seen that. Like I have not come across that so, anywhere. So, so like our our um no. I that's that is unimaginable though. It's such a good point because the Jehovah's Witnesses, you know, just because I can speak from experience, they feel as though they govern themselves. They don't really trust the law systems, they don't really trust police, they don't really trust healthcare, um, like specialists, you know, when it comes to like mental health, things of that nature, and they're pretending like they're getting better with that. Like, yeah. Well, sure. even the, even the <laughs> IFBs did the same thing. It was God's law over the actual law. That, that was something that, yeah. that got brought up with it's, what I mentioned uh, earlier with the abortion. Okay. And they the have that authority. They create that yeah. authority. They create the rules and they put themselves up here above the government. Yep. As and, long as and, they had a Christian in office or whatever, they were fine. As long as the, that was being forced into the laws, that was okay with them. Okay, but, so right now, there's at least a dozen Amish people that are going to court in Ohio because they're not complying with the buggy laws. And they refuse to pay their fines. What is that? Like, so they don't have, they don't have to, are they not going to pay? Do they have to pay? They, they have to pay their fines because they're not putting the proper um, reflective material and other things that Ohio law requires. Because um, what happens, like, for example, even my biological sperm donor, like he, he was unalived by a, a car buggy accident. And in that community, like, here's the thing is so like, okay, this is based on somebody's interpretation of this is God's law, right? So up until that time in that community, we only had like um, oil lanterns on our buggies. But after that accident, the community itself eventually um, went to using battery operated lights on their buggies. So we, God's law changed? We have Amish people all around here. Like we've spoken about this uh, before, Fee, but there's these, the other day we were heading out to go hike, me and my sibling, and we were going for a hike. We, we you know, you have to go, there's back road, country roads all over the place. We're out there. So we were coming around this turn and there were a bunch of Amish kids in a buggy. There was no adults there. They were all piled in this buggy and there was like kids running the thing. Uh-huh. And it is mm -hmm. insane to me that like that d never gets addressed. Like doesn't seem safe. No. 
like in the child labor laws like i mean it's just out, out in the middle of just ignored no, like, i guess i don't know blind turns all over and you know the roads aren't aren't the greatest around these types of areas and in, in rural communities and some people and, have no respect for like other vehicles on the road and they'll just no to justify this by well and... that's their religion and they just ignore it, it it's it's crazy that but that's part. putting lives at risk <laughs> people die because of this those children right. didn't choose that religion it's in the news right. all over it's like it's in the news over and over and over and over and over again it doesn't stop because it is very very dangerous and it is in fact something that needs to be addressed so i'm really proud of the judge in this case because the judge actually decided to put a lien against their homes they have asked to be put in in jail, right? They'd rather do jail time. And he says, by law, I can't put you in jail, but I can put a lien against your homes. I'm, y'all, wow. y'all, I'm, I'm just here the bearer of news, right? Right. <laughs> My goodness. This is... I, I don't really know like why this strikes me as like a result of a stereotype is like the stereotype has been that, well, that's their culture, but I think it's because of the culture you brought up culture. And that's a really good point. Slew. Um, we have been stereotyped so many times in so many different ways. Like just look at, yeah, regardless when, when you start challenging that system, then you get this kind of response and like, I would say, I believe it was over 20 people, but I won't say for sure, but I know it was definitely over 12 people. And what they like are doing is like, they're asking the judge for jail time. Well, this is God's law, not mine. Like I didn't make this up. And they're, they're saying that this is violating their religious freedoms. And I'm like, but it's not violating like your religious freedoms. Like you not putting proper reflective gear uh, on your buggies or lighting on your buggies is dangerous. And, and I feel like in a sense, the law is saying at this moment in time is that the lives of people matter more than you saying that or, or claiming that this is your religious God's law. Which ultimately goes back to our point, individuals before policies, before systems, before anything else, put yeah. the individual, think about the people. Mm -hmm. And in right. the same token, like I can't even fault these people for, for fighting it like that, because you know what, that's what they've been taught. Mm hmm. I mean, you don't know any different when you grow up in these systems, you don't you don't know any different. And sometimes you don't even know to question yep. any differently or you're, and or you're afraid to. Or, you know, you're taught that to question is to challenge and to challenge is wrong because you were signing yeah. back or you're a woman and you're, you're not supposed to challenge anything because you are supposed to submit to the will of the Lord. And the will of the Lord is that you are supposed to submit to the man in charge of you. Mm. So where does it end and where does your autonomy begin as a human being? Yep. See, we could question anything as long as it wasn't faith. Yeah. 
Which could excuse anything at that point, you know? That could excuse... I'm sorry. No. <laughs> no. Like, no. Um, I do want to point out that our comment here, stereotypes cut both ways. I have also gotten jobs because I have Lancaster Mennonite High School on my resume. Am I the asshole for writing the stereotype? <laughs> I mean, get in where you fit in, honey. I'm I mean, saying. do what you got to do. Live your best life. I, I'm not going to judge. I'm like, that's not, you got to do what you got to do. I'm, it's not on I'm you old. if someone else uses a stereotype. Right. It's not on you. It's on us whether or not we're going to use stereotypes and unchallenging stereotypes. Authoritarian mm. systems are usually being run by the people with the most money and power at the top. So uh, anytime you can go against that whether it be by lying or by doing i like whatever i don't care like to me yeah they're already oppressing people if you're trying to regain some kind of status in that more power to you i guess like i'm not right not gonna judge anybody Just harshly for the that yeah. i mean and it's hard enough for people to get a job at like, especially women or AFAB people that come out of Amish communities. We don't have yeah, a high I school bet. diploma necessarily. We don't necessarily like, we just have so many barriers to overcome. So like for somebody mm. like to come out of a community like that and use like that type of like resume on their resume, I think it's kind of funny personally. <laughs> it makes me laugh. Then because, I, I say good on you. Like, do what you got to do. Live your best life. Makes you, it makes my little anarchist art just glow. <laughs> <laughs> right, exactly. Uh, That's a that? yeah. So, anyways, I I think that sometimes we have to like consider like what we need to do and what we can live with. So, if you can live with that live with it it's okay that's that's really what it all boils down to it really doesn't matter what i think about it it matters what you think about it but um, another comment is right-wing people in general attack the people for things they can't change generally when a leftist makes an attack it's worth something that can be changed i mean that's an idea could be i don't know i don't typically look at things from right wing or left wing i just look oh, at it can be. in that yeah. aspect if you're if you're looking at antifa as the extreme of, of being anti-fascism on one side and seeing authoritarianism on the other side of things and fascism on the other side of things. christo fascism yeah, is uh, coming up on the on the rise yeah. right now i mean that's what we're we're fighting against is keeping Christian this a theocracy they want a theocracy um like hell to the no hell to the no and i don't under i just don't i don't get how good christians you know how they could just stand by and allow other people to be doing it's what they're doing with the law i'm just our, kind of shocked it, it goes along with our capitalist system like the yeah, well yeah the hierarchy all of it just fits perfect with with religion Mm. Well, if they were to do something, it would require them to challenge their perception of the world as a whole. Like I've met doctors who after like five minutes with me, 
here's a here's a, an example. It happened a couple months ago. I met this doctor, and in the course of like not my, I'm not a patient. I'm not nothing, right? And and I was. They overheard something that I said to somebody else, and they said, "Wait, you were Amish?" Blah 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 blah. And I said, "Yes, I was." And they said, "Well, I." you know, just really have admired so many aspects of Amish culture. And I said, I'd invite you to Google my name and put Amish behind it. And, and I go back to my conversation with this other person. And 20 minutes later, when I went to leave, this doctor said, holy shit. Right. Um, because part of that is, is, in order for you to receive new information, you have to be open and willing to receive new information. What mm. happens inside of high control groups? Do high control groups not sit there and use like things like um, behavior control, like how you're allowed to respond to new information or thought control where it's like you're, you're only supposed to think about it in this way. And if you deviate from that, then are you questioning God and is that a sin and is there hope for your soul? And so there's this whole rabbit hole, like derailing the conversation. Mm -hmm. And they also limit the information that you can access often. Does I think... I feel like sometimes just catching people off guard, like you did not, not that you did anything shocking, but you were just kind of like, do this. If you, you know, you want to find out more. I'll, I'll talk like to just, you after you do this. Yeah. Put a little, you just put something in the conversation and you plant the seed. I've done that before. And I've, I feel like just throwing in a little humdinger every once in a while to a conversation just gets a little, you know, I'm not harping, I'm not doing anything, but you know, I'll just mention something about being a former Jehovah's witness and whatever. And people are just like, Oh, Oh, yeah. wow. Yeah. Like, dang, I, I didn't, I did well, not know that. I don't think people are used to pushback any at all. Like even the least little bit seems just foreign to them. It's. Mm. And another true. thing is you have to present the information in a way that people can receive it. Mm. That's so hard. Well, I like that you left so it hard. for them to do the work because that goes back to your point, not wasting your time. If someone's not willing to do a Google search, in my opinion, they're not willing, they're not ready to open their mind. So if I leave it on them and say, here, look this up and they go, they are coming with that with an open mind at least. And if they're not willing to do that, then I'm not going to waste any more of my time and energy trying to educate them. Exactly. Because my time when is valuable. It takes a lot of energy when they to, don't do that. And then they double down on their own assumptions about shit. That is kind of the worst. Like I'm a, I'm a oh, terrible, the worst person. form of gaslighting that I've, I, yeah, it is so bad. I'll, I'll, I'll get pissed. And I know I, I end up See, and I just things won't, that doesn't do any no. good, but it's like, Oh, yeah. Yeah. I just won't engage at that point. Like the person who told me to yeah. pray yesterday, I kind of made a, a reply to them that kind of said, my book is free right now on Kindle. I bet you won't read it, though. But go read my book. No replies. No further replies. I'm just like, y'all so chicken. Chicken. 
my thing is if it's something on like social media, Facebook or Twitter, like something that's well, not Twitter so much anymore, but Facebook where you know that if the person just keeps talking, like they're, they're that ignorant and everything, if they just keep, if you keep them talking enough, they're probably going to just get themselves banned. I, I see that as a win at that point. <laughs> like, <laughs> wow. At least their voice isn't out there uh, perpetuating that garbage. Right. Even if it's for a short time. Yeah. But in person, yeah. you know, that isn't. That isn't really feasible. But, no. you know, you know, one thing that always works is you can always say, I got to go to the bathroom. I got to go to the bathroom. Bye. Gotta go. Go. No, I've done that too a few times. Uh, so, I got to go empty my trans fluids. It's really time. Good <laughs> it's time dear. for a change here. Yeah. I got to change my brake pads. I'll be back. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, so like to me, like part of that is, is like when you know, and, and I've known people who genuinely want to know and they ask questions and they have conversations. And I've known a lot of people like that. They genuinely want to know. And, and they're not asking to be like, there's a difference between people who want to know and people who are closed off to any new information. And to me, mm -hmm. I don't have the energy to engage with people who are determined and committed to misunderstanding every word I say. I don't have that energy. Do any of you yeah. have that energy? No. Mm -mm. People ask me to debate some like stuff at times and I'm just like, oh, it's just not my thing. I'm not into banging my head against a wall. Like open discussions, dialogues, I'm down with. It's It takes I, away. It takes away. Like I used to be that person to beat my head against a brick wall trying to prove a point. And it just took away so much of my energy that I could be using to help people that were ready or that needed help. Mm. And so I'm not I'm not going to sit there and debate someone that is not interested. Like and I have my own opinions on whether or not other people should do that. But that's that's their business. They can do what they want. But I'm devoting my energy to helping people who are ready or who, who need help. See, I, I'm like, cause debates and a lot of uh, like street epistemology and things like that. Uh, street epistemology is a little bit better cause it's questioning things rather than just, you know, trying to debate a, a thing. Um, but those things were things that really helped me while I was deconverting. So it's like, I have trouble just ruling it out entirely and being like, well, we should, I think there's ways to do it. I don't think everybody's suited to do that though. And well, I'm. Could it, could it be part of the, we all deal with things differently. And for some of us, it's beneficial to have those conversations because we need to be able to say it out loud and to explore what we're feeling and how we're seeing this and what we're discovering and finding out. For some of us, we need that. And for others, yeah. we may not need that so much. And we may go in a different direction. One Now, one thing I strongly i feel strongly about is that we shouldn't just go along with somebody just to shush them and and let the because i've had i had that happen to me while i was having really horrible views on things at the time and that just reinforced them people were enabling me 
and they didn't even know it. But they yeah. thought they were, you know, kind of just agreeing yeah. to to get it to to go by agreeing to disagree or whatever, but never mentioning and you know what I mean, never giving any pushback. Oh, what or you're saying, what you're saying is like, for example, I hosted a live on TikTok the other day where somebody came on and they used the N-word. Exactly. Yeah, this would be a Okay. What you're saying. And and what I did is like, no, we don't do that here. You will not use that word on my platform. That is not allowed. Blah, 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 blah. This is your one warning. That's it. Um, and I tried to be very kind, but also firm. Like, I am not a space to use the N-word. This is this is not a place. The Misfit Amish is not a place to use the N-word. Do not use that word on my platform. Yep. We're not doing that. But it's a it's a form of like, you know. I know and I recognize and I understand that in my Amish home growing up, we used that word with no like idea or concept of why it could even be harmful. Mm. I have yep. since been educated, but regardless, I am not going to sit there and allow somebody who has just escaped or maybe is still even in, I don't know where they're at in their journey. I, I quite frankly, no. Right. I'm not going to allow them to to conduct the, to to put that word out there like that in such a manner in such a way without it being checked because that word no 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 right. no exactly and there are how, things yeah there ahead. are things we shut down right away there there are some things but I, and then but that's not still not even a debate like i'm not going to debate you on whether or not you can use the n-word i'm not listening we're not doing right. it no. i'm not doing it and i'm going to remove myself from this conversation i'm also not the person to have that conversation with someone you know i'm i'm a white guy like i'm not going to sit there and educate this person i'm just i'm shutting it down and i'm moving on and yeah that's that's it like we don't no. And and I think what you were getting at, Slew, is like not even not only Evan, thank you, it's not a debate. It's a it's a fact. This is a boundary. This is a, a value that I hold. It's a fact. Right. That's I've, not... I've heard it re referred to as a debate though, just for those things. I guess that's but it's I'm... not a debate. No, it isn't. You're right. It's not but a just, debate. Yeah, just giving some pushback or feedback on something and leaving it. I mean you got to know when to dip out of it. You know? <laughs> but regardless, Lou, I think like the point that I got from you is that when we escape somewhere or we exit a community and culture that has taught us that this is okay and it doesn't get checked, mm -hmm. we continue in it in our ignorance because we don't know any better unless we go educate ourselves or somebody checks us like, so yeah. maybe like there can be a fine line between like allowing people to ruminate and and do what they need to do to dissect their trauma and yet still having your own boundaries. Right. Because that's another thing right. that I well, think. When we know better then we we can do better. And so, yep. yeah, I, and I mean, I, that's yep. it might seem like you're to to push back on somebody like that or whatever and if they get it at least you've inserted something in there to where they maybe they'll remember that maybe they'll remember that the next time it comes up in their mind 
maybe they'll start maybe, questioning it more. Maybe, maybe they'll you've go helped them. look it up. <laughs> yeah. Maybe they'll go learn why I shouldn't use this word. Maybe they'll maybe they'll think about it from a different perspective. Just just maybe if you can plant those seeds of doubt would be great. But anyways, yeah. Man, these conversations are great, y'all. Like really truly thank you for having these conversations. It was really good. Yeah. It did me it a lot of me. good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I just kind of want to keep having them just because like I don't know how y'all feel, but I I like having these because these are more like open conversations and dialogue about what we're seeing from various perspectives and and what we are are discovering and, and it gives us space to to dissect some of this. Yeah. I feel for me. Yeah. Yeah. Cuz it, it's a big top it's a big topic that has a lot of nuance and covers so many different, you know, things. So breaking it down and dissecting it, as you put it, it helps me because, you know, I'd never did that kind of thing in a cult. So now I'm putting my brain to work. Got to exercise it. I always think having multiple voices is very important. Mm -hmm. Yeah. On one hand, it highlights not only the differences between our perspective, different um, backgrounds, but it also highlights the similarities. Mm. And that to me is beautiful because it's the intersectionality between the different types of church and religions. Yep. Kind of displays that. I agree. So the, the debate thing, another thing about that, thinking about that now, like, a debate shouldn't be synonymous with an argument anyways. Like that shouldn't be a, you know, there aren't enough proper yeah. debates in that, that sense. Yeah. Right. That's excellent. True. Point. Yeah. True. But I would like to ask each of you to go around and say some parting words if you want. Ryan. Mm. Oh, sure. Uh, you know, again, I think that for people like myself who grew up in a cult who didn't really um, critically think, I wasn't able to exercise my opinions, I wasn't able to express myself. There's a, a lot of places in in our society, like when it comes to social things that I'm just kind of a little behind on sometimes, I just think. So when I can dialogue with people like this it really helps me get a better grasp a better understanding and like you said even just recognize the similarities the differences the intersectionality and how beautiful that can be that we've maybe lived different lives but it does intersect in some ways how high controls high control religion affected us and i i appreciate everybody being honest and open and sharing their opinions with me helps me grow and that's all I can say. I appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you, Ryan. So, mm. yeah, I I love being able to to do this, and like this this is a great group of people to be talking, discussing things with, and it isn't just you know uh, leading into a huge argument over things. But um, I I would just uh, ask people to to stay curious and and um, genuinely question things and if somebody's 
questioning your your things or whatever i mean as long as they aren't doing it in a rude manner like yeah go go ahead and question the things with them and 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 do what we're doing here and just communicate with one another i think there's a lack of communication with people um but other than that um hopefully i'll be getting my podcast up soon um <laughs> again um the nice. skeptical satanist if we're on youtube um if i can get my co-host back on track with me or if i have to have to do it solo or whatever i'm going to try to get things going again um check it out and i always try to throw out uh the recovering from religion foundation recovering from religion.org if anyone's struggling with uh mm -hmm. coming out of religion mm -hmm. yep Thank you, Sue. Evan? Um, I just would challenge people to continue challenging systems while valuing individuals. Holding people accountable is important, um, but also remembering that, you know, I know that I, I'm not the person that I was when I was in those systems, but I know that I was a victim and I was also a perpetrator. So, um, if you're healing from that system, I volunteer with the Vashti Initiative. You can go to VashtiInitiative.org. Vashti is in Queen Vashti from the um, Book of Esther. Um, and there we also, um, Recovering from Religion is a fantastic organization. I know they also have a hotline and support groups. We have a support group as well. We do bi-monthly groups. So if you're healing from spiritual trauma or religious abuse, you're welcome to look us up. All of our services are always free. And I just really appreciate these conversations. I really do, Fee. Thank you for organizing this. Thank you, Evan. Can I ask you for a quick clarification? When you say you were a perpetrator, can you just give a brief overview of what you mean by that? I just, I, whether, though I did not fully understand my actions, I, you know, I, I'm, I'm part of the LGBTQ community. I also stood on the steps of the state house and protested against gay marriage. I also hurled slurs at queer people at one time and uh, as well as racist slurs and a, a host of other things. And in my healing journey, I've been able to take accountability for those things while also forgiving myself for where I was. And I think that both of those are important. Thank awesome. you, Evan. Thank you. I think it's really important that we define what you meant by a perpetrator because we want to be very clear on, like, as far as I'm aware of, Evan is not a convicted registered sex offender. And for those who follow my work, no, I have, they know no, why never. I'm clarifying this. Thank, Thank you. you. Yeah. I, I just want to be very clear about that. With that being said, thank you all. Thank you, Ryan. Thank you, Slu. Thank you, Evan. I appreciate you. Thank you to our listeners. Y'all, like, I, I couldn't do this without your support, and I really couldn't do this without the support of our Patreon subscribers. Y'all have made it financially possible. We just filed taxes, by the way, and and we're not, like, we're, we're, we're about breaking even. Just about. It's pretty great. With that being said, again, thank you to our Patreon subscribers and have a good and wonderful Sunday and we'll see y'all next time. <laughs>